0: Too bad. episode of the six minutes podcast that was um cosmos midnight good night featuring polygraphia it's one of my favorite songs it's not a new song it's pretty old actually back when i used to be into like trap music you know um but this song i still had on my phone and like once in a while you know like when my phone is on shuffle or whatever like i get these throwbacks coming on and i'm like oh that would be a really good thing to use for the podcast you know what i mean because it's something like fresh and so chill it's perfect vibes for a weekend um episode you know what i mean so i thought i would add it in but enough about that (laughs) um Basically, I just wanted to get back and quickly update you guys about what's going on. You know, I always say work is super busy, so I'm not going to say that this time. It really is, though. But um, I did want to get a new episode out. And trust me, I've been working on it like it's sitting in my drafts. So without further ado, I'm going to drop the next episode. Um, The next episode I actually wanted to drop was really... um, It was going to be like nursery rhymes and the dark origins behind them some of them are darker than others some of them are not really dark at all some of them are just like cool facts that you know maybe you should know (laughs) in case you decide to tell these to your kids but you know for me i'm a history fiend i'm obsessed with finding things and investigating into um, different events that took place in the past Um, events that could take place in the present, you know, things like that. I think that's why I'm such a huge fan of history because like it kind of, you know, how you um, have, you know, how authors use tools like foreshadowing in books to kind of tell you what's going to happen in the future. I feel like that's what history does. I feel like it foreshadows what is going to happen to us in the future, uh what could happen what could not happen so that's why i find it so interesting there's like a little mystery behind it sometimes because things that are in the past like you know you don't always have a lot of documentation on them it's just we have a few little stories here and there Um, we may have lost some of these accounts so we have to often speculate so it just it's very interesting to me like that's why i'm such a history fiend that's why i love doing these episodes because you know i also get to learn more new things but you guys probably get a different spin on history than i ever did in school like you know i remember sitting in high school in canadian history and just thinking like i don't want to have anything to do with this and then i got into college and university and i was like okay this is not so bad after all you know what i mean so that's the kind of like ideology i want everyone to have i want everyone to like not be so closed minded towards history because it can be interesting it just depends on the way that it's taught it depends on the way that you know the stories are told to you and they are stories right because i mean you're reading people's accounts of their lives often like you're reading letters and you're reading memoirs that they've left behind you're often um listening to possible recordings if there are any but most most of the time i can't even talk (laughs) most of the time um Like you're reading their letters. So it's accounts of their lives, you know, like they didn't have vlogs back in the day, they had letters. So they would write letters of what was going on in their life. And often these stories come from those letters or from orations that they used to tell and they've been like turned into books, you know, uh edited to shits where you don't even know what's truth and what's not. But anyway, that's besides the point, that's a different episode for a different time. I don't wanna get right into dark origins behind nursery rhymes so guys stay tuned we're gonna take a little bit of a break and i'll see you soon bye back (laughs) so guys um i've wanted to do an episode like this for a long time you know because when we think of nursery rhymes we don't think of like them having dark stories behind them as i said some of these will be really dark some of these may just be like cool facts you didn't really know about them like the backing stories behind them if that makes any sense <laughs> um anyway i'm gonna get right into it so basically the first one is Baba black sheep now most scholars agree that Baba black sheep is about the great custom which basically was a tax on wool that was introduced in 1275 that was a long time ago um now here's where it gets a little bit controversial i'm not gonna say darker because it's not really dark but it definitely does get controversial because its use of the color black and the word master um, led to some wonder whether there was a racial message at the center of the nursery rhyme. Obviously, its political correctness was called into question um, in the latter part, I would say, of the 20th century. Um, so, just recently, um, with some schools banning it from being repeated in classrooms. And others simply switching out the word black for something deemed less offensive, like, for example, rainbow. Um, And a lot of news reports have stated that now um, people are starting to sing Baba Rainbow Sheep as an alternative to Baba Black Sheep because of the connotations behind it. Um, I know it's difficult to think, like how could nursery rhymes ever be dark how could they ever be how could they ever have negative connotations but i want to remind you guys that like every story every song has some sort of backing behind it it has to right because when people sing songs they don't get um ideas from just thin air Oftentimes, songs are about people's lives. Um, They're telling their own stories through the song. It's the same with stories, short stories, poems, um, even kids' poems. It tells about the life around them and surroundings. And surroundings, sorry, around them. Um, So, obviously, it makes sense that um, Baba Black Sheep is going to be like a. I would say watered-down version of what's going around these kids' lives. Um, so the next song, so the next um, nursery rhyme I want to look at is "Goosey Goosey Gander," and this is from 1784. So basically, it's hard to imagine that any rhyme with the phrase "goosey goosey" in its title could be described as anything but a feel-good um, kind of poem or nursery rhyme. But it's actually a tale of religious persecution and during the days when catholic priests would hide themselves in order to say their latin-based prayers which is a major no-no at the time um not even in the privacy of their own homes Um, now in the original version the narrator comes upon an old man who wouldn't say his prayers so um he took him by his left leg and threw him down the stairs which is very painful i imagine but i just want to explain that during these times Um, the church was really in charge of how people behaved what they did, what they said, what they didn't say so um, if somebody was not really like doing what they required then it was like um, you were persecuted usually for things like heresy and so um during this time i do want to say like i'm i'm hesitating a little bit because it can get very dark um but to keep it i guess appropriate not really appropriate but it's just like it's very sad you know what i mean because there's so much censorship at this time um the church was very much the state and there was no government at the time i know people are always like government this government that you know what i mean at this time the government did not exist the government was essentially the uh, catholic church and you'll see as a theme later in some nursery rhymes we have the same problem that's because the church really had a say in how people behaved how they acted how they thought um everything was controlled by them essentially so if you weren't saying your latin-based prayers like they required and you were using your vernacular they were not going to be too fond of that so either you're going to be prosecuted for heresy or either you're going to be essentially killed or even exiled but i would say uh, being exiled is not as worse as being put on death row because you didn't say your prayers in latin you said them in your own vernacular um so The reason it says even in the privacy of their own home, they weren't allowed. Is because let's say you had friends, neighbors over. Even your wife, your husband could actually tell on you. Because anybody, everybody and anybody wanted to benefit from the state. So how are you going to benefit? Obviously, you're going to have to kiss some ass. So this is what people did in order to stay alive. Um, Often they would kind of tattletale on each other to the state and say hey listen so and so is not actually saying their prayers in latin they're still using vernacular and you know um back then word of mouth was very uh was very powerful it wasn't like you know innocent until proven guilty it was guilty until proven innocent and often it was too late to be proven innocent because you already prosecuted over it so um it it was some messed up times um but this is how people these were people of their time right this is how they dealt with different situations but very much so the church was definitely the state and they had a huge say in how people acted and what they spoke and what they did and how they thought and literally everything that went on it was like very much um influenced by the catholic church and specifically the catholic church because it was the most powerful order um, back in these times specifically so keep this in mind because it does come up as a theme in other nursery rhymes and we're gonna quickly see that now on to the next one so the next one is Jack and Jill and I think the first account of it was really from 1765 so now obviously you know when we were younger a lot of you guys probably fooled around with the lyrics of uh, to Jack" from Jack and Jill right um we often turned what was like an innocent poem into something a little bit more naughty, you know? But obviously, its origins aren't also as clean-cut as we imagined. Now, as you guys have been listening, there's a lot of weird things you probably didn't know that come from these um, nursery rhymes or that these nursery rhymes were influenced by, rather. Um, So one of those things um, that, you know, that kind of exemplifies it as not being too clean cut is the fact that the story's origin is about francis louis um i forgot what xvi is (laughs) i think it's the 15th yes it's the 15th because x and v are um 10 and 5 and then i is you know oh sorry no 16th see i can't do math guys (laughs) but x and v so x is 10 v is 5 and then the one so, it's the 16th. So, basically, it's basically about... Um, basically, it's basically about... Let me just stop the podcast right here, right now. Um, so, it's about uh, friends as Louis sixteenth and his wife, Marie Antoinette. You guys probably know her as the f- infamous lady who said, let them eat cake if they don't have bread. You know what I mean? Basically, these guys were both found guilty of treason and subsequently beheaded. So, the problem is that Those events, um, happened basically 30 years after Jack and Jill was first written, um, but this is what people say is one of the theories behind it, um, however, the more likely possibility is that it's an account of King Charles I's attempt to reform the tax on liquid measures, um, so when Parliament rejected his suggestion, he basically instead made sure that the volume was reduced on half and quarter pints, known as Jack's and Jill's, respectively. Okay, so that's not as dark, it's just kind of a cool fact, but I mean, if it was about uh, Louis Sixteenth and his wife being beheaded, then that's a little bit dark for our children's, you know, rhyme. But anyway, we'll get into more of them. The next one I have for you guys is London Bridge um, is Falling Down. <laughs> We're not talking about Fergie's song from 2006, okay? This is a different one. If you didn't know, it's a kid's nursery rhyme. Um, now, depending on who you ask, London Bridge is Falling Down could be about a 1014 Viking attack, a child sacrifice, or the normal deterioration of an old bridge. However, I doubt it's about the normal deterioration of an old bridge see like hearing what we've just heard so um basically the most popular theory is that it's the first one so basically it's the alleged destruction of london bridge at the hands of olaf ii of norway um sometime in the early 1000s i would say it's alleged because some historians don't actually believe that the attack even took place um there's not that many accounts of it so i mean often in history guys the thing is you may have um had people write about it here and there but when you go to corroborate there's not that many stories like surrounding it and it's difficult to say whether the account even took place or not um there may be only like two stories really and Both of them will probably say something totally different because they're from different perspectives. So often what happens in history is um, certain accounts are completely destroyed. So there's no way to actually access um, files like we have today. We have the internet today so we can easily access files from way back when um but back then they didn't have those files and like i said when you live in a time where everything is censored and certain documents are destroyed it's difficult to know what actually took happen what actually took place during those times (laughs) i'm sorry i cannot um english today apparently but um basically this happened quite a bit often um, documents were destroyed so we didn't actually have any accounts, not any accounts, but we didn't have a lot of accounts of this taking place. So um, it's alleged because historians don't actually believe that it happened because there's not enough material to corroborate to say that, oh, yeah, um, definitely, you know, we can safely speculate that this would have happened. Um, So it's difficult to say whether it actually happened or not. But anyway, the song's popularity around the world is often um, cited as proof that it was the Vikings who created the London Bridge, believing that they brought the tune to the many places they traveled. And the whole child sacrifice thing, um, that's also an idea that's often debated, but there is no archaeological evidence to actually support that that happened specifically. But the theory um, goes that in order to keep the London Bridge upright, its builders believe that it must be built on the foundation of a human sacrifice and that those same humans, um, mostly children, I guess, would help to watch over the bridge and maintain its sturdiness. I mean, I th- I think that's a little bit far-fetched. I think the more um, more plausible explanation would be that it would have, you know, fallen down from a Viking attack, you know? not from um not from child sacrifice or anything like that but with that being said let's just move on to the next um nursery rhyme now personally i haven't heard this one um but this next one is mary mary quite contrary and the first account of it was actually in 1744 so um like just to keep in mind these are some of the lyrics from it that i see right now and it goes mistress mary quite contrary how does your garden grow with cockle shells and silver bells and pretty maids all in a row so those are some of the you know not lyrics but some of the i guess lines from it we'll say for now (laughs) so Apparently guys, contrary is one way to describe a murderous psychopath, so the popular English nursery rhyme, and I actually didn't know this either, um, it reads like a solicitation for gardening advice, but it's actually recounting um, the homicidal nature of Queen Mary I of England, aka who you guys may know as Bloody Mary. Um, She was a fierce believer in Catholicism. So remember, I told you Catholicism is going to come come up quite a bit. It's because during these times, the Catholic Church basically ruled everything. When I say everything, I mean everything. So she was a fierce believer in Catholicism and um, her reign as queen from 1553 to 1558 was marked by the execution of hundreds of Protestants. And as you guys, if you guys know the story of Martin Luther, who was a Protestant, um, he was basically deemed as a heretic for calling out the Catholic Church, um, because back in these times too, he saw that there was a lot of odd things going on. They were not necessarily following their own um, dogmas that they set in place. He used to be part of the Catholic Church as well, and he um, broke into his own branch of christianity because he was seeing that um basically priests were not following their own dogmas they're kind of doing what they wanted to behind the scenes and they weren't practicing what they preach essentially so for speaking out against it and creating his own movement um that was you know protestant protestantism basically what happened is they deemed him as a heretic and he was executed But he had all the right because from all the documents I read during this time, there's a lot of things going on that we know of today. For example, um, children being molested and women's bodies belonging to the church and the church doing whatever they wanted with these women's bodies, um, including performing abortions, (laughs) because, you know, they wanted to maintain this image of purity and virginity and whatever. So they would perform um i guess kind of illegal not really because they were the more powerful source back then but basically illegal abortions on women and um they were even back then accused of molesting children and so um martin luther was speaking out against this and they didn't like it so they deemed him a heretic so basically um she executed many, and I would say hundreds of thousands of Protestants back then. And um, she just was a terrible human being, in my opinion. Um, but she was a woman of her time as well. So I do have to give her that. But I just, I don't know. Moving on, guys. The next one is 3 by mice. This first account was from 1805. And Three Blind Mice is supposedly yet another ode to Bloody Mary's reign, um, with the trio in question believed to actually be a group of Protestant bishops. Um, That was Hugh Latimer, Nicholas Radley, and the Archbishop of Canterbury. And Thomas, that was Thomas Cranmer. Cranmer, who unsuccessfully conspired to overthrow the queen and they were all burned at the stake for their heresy Um, now critics suggest that the blindness in the title refers to their religious beliefs basically they were known as the three blind mice because you know catholicism was the ruler i would say at the moment and they saw anyone who didn't follow it as a blind um mouse who didn't really know what they were doing they were just kind of following the herd um many of these guys were right but anyway that's just my opinion um when i say they were right i'm talking about the protestants not the catholic church i think what the catholic church did to people just because they were trying to hide um what they were doing behind the scenes was absolutely terrible it's not even just like um It's not even just like word of mouth. It was actually in many accounts. And if you guys look up um, everything the Roman Catholic Church has done, you will be horrified. But again, these these are people of their time. They didn't, I want to say they didn't really know any better, but I feel like they did. Anyway, (laughs) moving on. The next one is Eeny Meeny Miney Mo. Now, there's nothing like particularly offensive about this specific nursery rhyme it's eeny meeny miny Mo catch tiger by his toe um you generally say this when you're trying to make a decision or a choice on something um might be like an object you're trying to choose or something like that but um basically there is something wrong when you consider that the word tiger is a relatively new development in this counting rhyme and um a lot of people seem to think it's a replacement for the n-word, which I don't see the resemblance, you know, catch a tiger by its toe, I don't really see a resemblance, but a lot of people do, and a lot of people say even with the lyrical switch-out, any reference to the poem still has the ability to offend. Um, Basically, in 2004, two passengers sued Southwest Airlines um, for intentional infliction of emotional distress, and also negligent infliction of emotional distress um following an incident where a flight attendant used the rhyme in a humorous fashion during takeoff when she told passengers eenie meeny, whiny mo please sit down it's time to go um and the court sided with the airline but I, mean, I i don't know like i don't know my opinion of this because i don't know the context behind it but it's like it's weird you would use this nursery rhyme to like talk to somebody like we're adults like let's use our words properly you know what i mean and uh, it's difficult for me to see like the correlation between tiger and somebody saying the n-word you know what i mean like nowadays i know there's a lot of slang and personally i could say um what i've heard my friends use tiger for um but i'm not going to because uh, i i i don't want to offend anybody to be honest and i'm not the type of person that would discriminate against people so i'm not even going to go there it's not important it's just the principle behind it like if you know there's something um, you know there's a co- certain connotation behind it you don't just go out there and talk to somebody like that i think it's very disrespectful especially when you're in a role that has to deal with dealing with passengers I always think like if you're gonna be rude to um, if you're in customer service and you're gonna be rude to people why are you even in customer service when you know specifically you're gonna be dealing with people all the time and they're gonna annoy you and they're gonna anger you they're gonna frustrate you they're not gonna listen to you but you're dealing with people at the end of the day so you do have to respect them you do have to behave respectfully even if you don't like them that's just the way I see it anytime any of my employers ask me like what would you do if um if somebody didn't like was working with you i'm like it's not that's not even an issue because i have to respect them i may not like them but they're my co-workers so i do have to respect them and we do have to work together at the end of the day right so this is just the way things go um anyway guys i'm not gonna stay on to that too long because we have more to go So the next one is here we go around the mulberry bush and the first account of this was in 1840. now this one is often sung as a part of a children's game um, according to the historian rs duncan a former governor of england's wakefield prison the song actually originated um with that for 20 year old institutions female prisoners who were exercised around a mulberry tree which is probably not the connotation your six-year-old self had in mind. Okay, so anyway, moving on to the next one, Rockabye Baby. This first account was from 1765. So basically, one interpretation of this famous lullaby is that it's about the son of King James II of England and Mary of Modena. Um, it is widely believed that the boy was not their son at all, but a child who was brought into the birthing room and passed off as their own in order to ensure a Roman Catholic heir to the throne. I will get into this at the end of the episode because I want to explain more about it. Actually, you know what? Let's get right into it right now because we only have really two more to read um, to you guys. But basically, the whole thing here is again... And I'm going to go way back to ancient Rome, okay? Because you're going to have to see the connotations between this. I want to go back into ancient Rome. They were still very, like, very much Catholic. When I told you guys the Roman Catholic Church ruled all, they really did. Up until um, a very recent time. When I say recent, I mean, like, um, 19th century, even um, 17th century and things like that. Or 18th century, sorry. Um, So basically during these times it was important that women gave birth to sons because somebody had to take over the estate in ancient rome so women were not really recognized as citizens and could not take over the estate um so once their fathers died it would be passed on to the son um or if they did not have sons it would be passed on to the husband of the wife so women could not own properties so women would have to basically they were not seen as healthy unless they were able to bear um boys and there's a lot of accounts where if women birthed um females the females would be sent away they would be killed off i'm sorry to get graphic but this is like facts um the women would be killed off or they would um basically the women would be left by their husbands because they were deemed as unhealthy to bear you know um bear sons to take over the estate but the point is that it was important that somebody took over the estate because that was the way um, you were seen as high up in society and that was a way that you were viewed as a citizen. And, you know, the more property you held, the more successful you were deemed in society. So that was something that um, every man aspired in this society. So this is what I mean by the Catholic Church basically like ruled everything as they decided how people behaved, how they acted, what they did as even into like even influencing the, um, the household. And household decisions I would say Um, because if like let's say a woman kept burying females that is baby girls then the parents could just say you know what send her away and find another wife sometimes the man would would um, not cheat they would literally like bear children with another woman with the wife like there present at all times in the home so like these are kinds of things that are taking place um I, maybe i'll go into it in another episode for you guys so you can get an idea of how these times actually were um again these are people of their time though you can't really blame them for the way they behave because when somebody has this much control over your life like it's either death or you go by um, societal norms and what's required of you, so moving on to the next one, this is probably the most popular one, and one of my favorite ones because it is surrounding my, one of my favorite times to study it's basically ring around the rosie and the first account is believed to be in eighteen eighty one although I think there was an earlier I think there were earlier accounts, but anyway, let's get into it um Considering that today's um, classic nursery rhymes, while some of them are more than two centuries old, there are often several theories surrounding their origins, and not a lot are soundproof about which argument is correct. But of all the nursery rhymes we've read so far, I would say um, the backstory for this one is the most infamous and probably the most um, like there's the most proof to back it. Now, um, through its lyrics and even its title, um, they have gone through some changes over the years, obviously, but the most popular contention is that the sing-songy verse refers to the 1665 Great Plague of London, and it wasn't just in London, it was all over Europe, by the way, I just want to say it, and people would go actually like on quote-unquote vacation to kind of escape it and then come back when, you know, it was all over with, but basically, it has to do with um, the Black Plague. Now, the Rosie is the rash that covered up, um, that covered the afflicted. The smell from which they attempted to cover up was a pocket full of posies. And the smell they were trying to cover up was the smell of dead bodies and corpses, essentially. With pockets full of posies. And the plague basically killed nearly 15 of London's population. Now, this is just London. Um, And London is not really a... Like, it's not a country, but it killed nearly 15% of London's population. So that's a lot of... That's a lot of people, if you think about it. Um, That's 15% just in London. If you think about all of Europe, there's, like... Europe is very highly populated. Even at that time, there was a lot of people there. So basically a lot of people died during this time i don't have the exact numbers for you guys i probably should have but i don't um but yeah a lot of people died during this time and it was it was the worst sight ever i remember like being in my classes and reading accounts of it and it was just gruesome to read because you know kids would be walking all over the streets and all you would see is like dead bodies and corpses laying all over the place because you know Nobody wanted to clean it up. It smelled so bad. Nobody wanted to go near it. Nobody wanted to catch what was going around. Um, so basically, going on um, the final verse, ashes, ashes, we all fall down, is self-explanatory. You know, people are being burned. Um, their corpses are being burned and we all fall down is basically, eventually, everybody was going to die from it there's a few people who escaped it but very few very few survived the black plague and actually lived to write letters about it and um, lived to say like what happened during that time it's a very sad time all you saw was um all you saw was basically like dead bodies all around you i can't even imagine you know walking out there and seeing like neighbors and maybe friends and family members just laying there on the streets um basically though snopes reads labels this reading as false um and they quote folklorist philip hiscock with a more likely suggestion that basically the nursery rhyme probably has its origins and the religious ban on dancing among many protestants in the 19th century in britain as well as here in north america um, and adolescents found a way around the dancing band with what was called in the United States the play party, and play parties were considered um, consisted of ring games, which differed from square dances, only in their name and um, basically their lack of musical accompaniment. But they're very popular, and younger children got into the act eventually as well. Now. I don't think this actually has anything to do with dancing. Knowing what I know and studying history and studying like rituals when it can be funerals and deaths and everything, I can 100% say I believe more the um, explanation that it was the backstory was having to do with a black plague rather than dancing, because you can't really say ashes, ashes, we all fall down. Why the ashes? The ashes are from people's corpses being burned, basically. Um, and then we all fall down as the deaths. Um, everybody's falling down. When you die, you're basically like... We're, we're all falling. Um, so that's the way I see it personally. You guys can call in and let me know what you think as well about this particular one but the more plausible explanation for me is the fact that it's backing up the black plague and what actually happened during that time if you guys do want an episode on just that let me know i'll be more than happy to um create an episode with just a black plague because i do find it a um, particular period in time very interesting and i actually did write many papers on it as well so i would be able to um do enough research for you guys to get an episode out there let me know if you want it though if you're interested in learning more about it um and what specifically like what questions specifically you would have on that same with if you want more Um, documentation of ancient rome or if you're looking more facts on like ancient rome ancient greece uh, the rituals during those times let me know i can definitely create episodes based on that because these are things that i studied back in school these are things that i'm also very interested in but guys that brings us to the last nursery rhyme which is old mother hubbard and this one is from 1805 personally now i've never heard of this one it's my first time actually hearing of this nursery rhyme but this one is very quick too many um old mother hubbard is not a mother at all nor a woman the poem is actually speculated to have been written as a mockery of cardinal thomas wolsey wolsey sorry i said it wrong whose refusal to grant an annulment to king henry the i can't count (laughs) again v is five Six, seven, eight. Henry the Eighth. Okay, <laughs> so we've come to the conclusion Sarah cannot count or do math. Okay, so basically, um, it's a mockery of Cardinal Thomas Wolsey, whose refusal to grant an annulment to King Henry the Eighth, so that he would marry, he could marry Anne Boleyn, and um, basically led to his political downfall. Um, I've, I personally haven't heard of that one. That's very interesting to me to hear. I already knew King Henry VIII. He's very infamous when it comes to like all of his wives, and he's another example of the church um, and branching out into a new um, new segment of Christianity because he didn't like the rules, and that's why personally as well. I mean, I didn't mean to make this a religious episode but personally i do not believe because i feel like there's so many um there's so many how do i say this contrasting contrasting details between each segment of christianity right now i'm okay with just the idea of christianity i'm good with the fact that it teaches good morals i'm good with the fact that you know um It tells you love thy neighbor, do this and that, you know, but there's so many um, hypocrisies within it and there's so many things that change and are just not constant and there's a lot of inconsistencies that I'm just like, it just makes me stray further away from it because of all the inconsistencies. So personally, I do not. I'm not a believer myself. And when I hear things like this, I'm like, mm, that only makes me stray further away from actually believing. As much as I want to, like, I can't. Because there's so many inconsistencies and you don't know what to believe. And, like, why is there so many different aspects of Christianity when really, like, they all believe in the same person? Why would you branch out to a different... Um, like a different a completely different religion within that religion itself just because you didn't like the rules you know what i mean the whole um principle is that you're supposed to follow the the dogmas right now like we all know people can't follow rules it's it's natural right like you set down rules somebody's bound to break them but not to the po- not when it comes to religion, not to that point at least, because the way I see it is if there is a set of dogmas within a religion, you're supposed to follow them if you believe in that religion. So I just, I don't know, I just don't agree with the whole fact that there are so many inconsistencies within it. And I just think it's very hypocritical. But like I said, this episode was not meant to be a religious one. So I'm just going to end it right here. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Um, I'm sorry it took so long to actually publish this episode. So um, with that said, I'll catch you in the next one. I hope you enjoy this one. And let me know what you want to hear next. Peace out, guys. Have a great rest of your weekend. And stay warm out there.